Hello. You go first. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Evan. What are we going to be talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about imperfect inspiration, and I feel really excited for the topic. Do you feel inspired? I do feel inspired. Yeah, I feel both excited and inspired. So uh, should I say what? No, I think you should say what imperfect inspiration is. That we, what we think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So my view of imperfect inspiration is pieces of art, pieces of media that are, I really don't want, you can't use the word itself in the definition. No. So I'm not going to say imperfect. Well, and also it's like, feels a little navel gazy or something to be like, oh, that it, that are imperfect because they we are, don't get, we don't get to decide what's imperfect. They are imperfect. flawed. <laughs> yeah. Well, so... The idea of this concept came from thinking about different pieces of media and what they have inspired us to make. And there's a bit of a pattern where when we watch or play or read something that is just incredible, that we can find no fault with, it can be beautiful, it can be moving, but it doesn't immediately lead into a feeling of, I want to make something. When we watch, read, play something that we do connect with, we like it, but at the same time, we have issues with it. (laughs) What we find is that we have a lot more to say about it. We have a lot more to sort of chew on and digest. And we almost involuntarily find ourselves redesigning it, retelling the story, coming up with another way that it could be, and thinking about if we were making this thing, what would it be like? Or what could we make that scratches the itch that this thing- Didn't quite scratch. Yeah. Or that it scratched in like the wrong way. It's like that yeah. that thing was a mosquito and it bit us. It's like or it's like when <laughs> it's like when you have an itch on your back that you can't reach and then you ask your roommate if you're me. Um like Joe, can you reach this spot on my back? Because we ask each other all the time to itch each other's backs. And then, you know, you're like, no, it's still a little to the left. No, left. No, left. And it doesn't quite get it. And it's so inspiring. It's so inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we were sort of talking this out and thinking about the the media and the other, I don't know, the other, I, I, I'm just dissatisfied with the word media. The Content. Other, don't, oh, just there joking. we go. I'm That's joking. what we need. You know, the consumables. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, good. Language just degrades. Uh, The artistic creations of the people of this planet. Mm -hmm. We were just struck by that pattern and wanted to dig into it a little bit and think about, like, what's going on when we watch something that's, like, absolutely stunningly beautiful, and then we have, like, nothing to say about it? 
Yeah. And then we watch something that we're like, it did what? And we spend weeks talking about it. Yeah, it makes should should we start with sort of the the perfection part or should we start with the imperfect? Let's now that we've introduced both concepts, let's talk a little bit about the experience of watching things that feel sublime. Yeah. Things that feel perfect. And I say perfect, but it's not just about the piece of art itself. It's also about the reception and sort of appearance of success that can be surrounding something. Yeah, I mean, perfect is is totally, it it's subjective. Yeah, I mean, we should get that out of the way. Like, like when we saw yeah, something perfect yeah, or imperfect, on, like, just... we are not saying that there is an objective reality <laughs> yeah. to that assertion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this is something that I thought about even before having this conversation with a friend, but I was talking to a friend who, I was talking to my friend who introduced me to fanfic, and I was asking about, I can't, I can't remember what show it was. Maybe it was the Hannibal TV show or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't exactly remember, but it was something where I was like, oh, and there must be a lot of fanfic. And the friend was like, you know, actually, there's like less than you'd think because the show gave the fans everything they wanted. Right. Like the the queer nuances that people would have written in to a fanfic like, ooh, what's going on between Hannibal and Will here? What, what does their relationship represent? Like there are shows that wouldn't have gone there. But this show, it it. It gave it all on a on a people platter. Like yeah. it just put it all out there, and there is fanfic. Actually, the subtitle for that show. <laughs> yeah, put it all on a people platter. Like there <laughs> is fanfic, but often where you get the most fanfic is where those those like gaps existed that people wanted to see. You know, where there was there was a lack or something missing or something that felt imperfect. Right. Yeah, I remember you telling me that story, and it just. It's definitely lodged in my head and started to change how I think about how I think about pieces of art. I'm thinking about what example I want to throw out. It's yeah, like I'm, a, I'm curious. A what piece of media that feels perfect. Everything. Or it's a little embarrassing to call something perfect. Yeah, that, that might be it. Yeah, that could be it. Well, but something that, cause I, because I think there is also, there is something a little inherently uh, snooty and self-absorbed in being like, oh, there's things that we think are perfect, and then there's things that we think we could personally improve upon. Like that's that's not what it is. It's just those those places where you see a crack or a need or a desire that inspires you. Yeah, like despite the language and its implication, I really want to frame this as pieces that that speak to us. Yeah, you know. I think that what excites me most about this topic and why I think it's fun is that my mind immediately would think of favorite movies or favorite albums or books that I just find absolutely no no fault in and they're just so beautiful and whole and complete to me as inspiring. But actually I find them inspiring isn't what I find them. I mean I find them I find them sort of nourishing, but they don't make me want to do more 
because they were, <laughs> you you know, you are enough. Yeah. You are enough, Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah. I'm, since, since my childhood, one of my favorite series of books has been the, the His Dark Materials series, The Golden Compass, The Amber Spyglass, The Subtle Knife. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> I know. I think you just had people reading. Was that? One, three, two. One, three, two. Yeah. <laughs> Not in that order. <laughs> um, those books, I've reread them many times. I find them endlessly beautiful. I find new things to appreciate in them each time I read them. Like different parts feel like they sort of connect with where I'm at in my life extremely nourishing wonderful book it's like contributed to how i view the world and how i view myself that said when i think of writing a book if i think of the golden compass that doesn't inspire me that makes me feel deeply intimidated <laughs> <laughs> because what's happening in that book is something that i don't feel like i have a path to creating you know, like it doesn't, there's no middle steps in my mind between what the golden compass is and has meant to me and a blank page. Yeah. Uh, it feels like its own object. It was inspired. It was complete in its own way. It expressed a vision and... It's not really my story, you know? It's not the story I have to tell. It's not the writing style that I have to write. It's just one that I love. And I want to talk more about the kind of experience of pieces of media that feel that complete. But also, just to throw out a random comparison, when I read Ready Player One... My experience is, I should write a book. I should definitely <laughs> write something. <laughs> it's like almost all middle steps. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of a gradient in there because there's something that you can love that inspires you. And then there's also something like, I mean, Ready Player One, There were there were, I found it enjoyable and really readable. It, it definitely existed more on that gradient for me where there were like little bits of sort of indignance yeah and rage yeah <laughs> um yeah ready player one is is an example of one of those things that gives like there's a lot to there's a lot of different threads to grab onto there mm -hmm. and tug at but i agree if i was gonna sit down and if i was part of like bad netflix where they were like, oh, the algorithm says that you work for us and you have to make the gold, like the golden compass is what's in now. So you have to make a show that's like the golden compass. I'd be like, I think I just have to quit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not saying like, I'm not even talking about, you know, like the, a show that is the golden compass. Like there, there was one on HBO a number of years ago. Yeah, I don't want to talk oh, about yes. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I mean something like it. I just, I don't know what I would pull from. 
there is a show that I've been watching a few episodes of on Netflix called First Kill. It is so much a Netflix algorithm show. It, it's so clear that they were like, all right, we want... Do you know you know what I mean by like when I say Netflix algorithm show? Yeah, like, like like the algorithm came first. This is what people watch the most. Yeah, and then they were like, now you have to go make something. Right. Now we have to go make a, net, a Netflix branded original based on what the algorithm came up with for us. And in this case, the algorithm was... I would say Euphoria meets Twilight. And I also, don't know Euphoria. What's Euphoria? Oh, Euphoria is this show on HBO that's really popular right now that's very, like, sexy and glamorous. And it is about high schoolers, like, doing drugs and having sex and partying. And it's not necessarily just a like totally glamorized view of that life, but I think it freaks a lot of parents out because they're like, oh my gosh, this is, is this what my children are doing? But um, it's missing vampires. But it's missing vampires. Yeah. yeah. So First Kill, it, it pulls a little bit from Euphoria, but it also, like the, the algorithm was really like, Euphoria is hot, but we know we can't remake Euphoria. Also, it's Netflix, so you couldn't remake Euphoria because it has a lot of penises in it. Um, <laughs> and I don't think Netflix does penises. But, like, Euphoria meets Twilight. And then they're also, like, gay gay stuff's popular right now. People like gay stuff, right? Yeah. We got to get the we gotta get the gay dollar during mm -hmm. Pride Month. I don't big know dollar. if... Very I don't know dollar. if... The good dollar. <laughs> I don't know if... <laughs> good first dollar. Kill... <laughs> I don't know if First Kill came out in June. It's it's pretty new. It might have come out during Pride Month. But anyway, it is like a show about uh, two high school girls, one who is from a family of vampires that looks exactly like the Twilight family. Like they're like blonde and perfect and very waspy looking. And she is sort of coming of age. So she's coming into her vampireness and she can no longer just subsist off of blood pills. She has to go and, you know, eat people now. And then she meets and crushes on and falls in love with a girl from a family of vampire slayers. Oh. oh, what? It's like a, a enemies to lovers meet cute algorithm show. Anyway, it's absolute garbage and I love it. <laughs> it's great. It's such a good show to watch at night when I can't sleep. <laughs> so are you slotting this into perfect or imperfect? Oh, well, that's a great. Okay, I'm so sorry because I know you wanted to talk about um, perfect and envy, but I'm going to take us down. Can I take us on a detour? Of course. To a middle space, which is... This may exist. I, th I think this is in the imperfect because I could imagine being a person who like might want to make fanfic about this show. But I think at the end of the day, there's something like a little lifeless about it. And I don't actually want to make fanfic about it. Yeah. But there are shows that exist in the space where they're bad, bad, or they know they're bad or media. Like one example that we gave is Neil Breen movies. Which if you're not familiar... Neil Breen is a, uh, I don't know, I don't want to use... Visionary. He's a visionary. He's make, he makes films that are utterly unique and are baffling and upsetting in ways that I find constantly surprising and hilarious. Uh, so, you know, in the 
so bad it's good category. Maybe in like a place of honor in that category. And that's an example of something that in its own way, as messed up as that might be, it is perfect. It feels like a perfect communication of Neil Breen and what he wants to do and say. I don't watch Neil Breen and I'm like, oh, you know, you just need to fix this. Like, this scene doesn't belong. It's like, oh, no, every (laughs) Every scene scene belongs. belongs. Every prolonged fade out of a character, every weird screed. Yeah. Every special effect, every stock, (laughs) stock piece of music. Yep. It's perfect in its own way. The kind of media that I'd call uh, imperfect inspiration is media that I'm really connecting with in some way. Like we mentioned Ready Player One. Ready Player One, I found to be riveting as a read. Like, I loved the, the pace of it. I loved the plot. I loved how it was moving. And then it was throwing real curveballs at me left and right with what kind of characters we were watching and like how they were behaving. And as the book neared its conclusion, looking at the like overall themes and muddiness of it. (laughs) But at the same time, it just was like, it was propelling me through and it was capturing my imagination. And in many ways, it felt like a story that I'd want to tell but I would do some stuff different. (laughs) (laughs) To swing back to the the perfect and talk about why perfect inspiration or perfect things aren't necessarily inspiring, you had said something earlier at the beginning about the reception of them, and I wasn't sure what you meant by that. So it's sort of an adjacent conversation. I guess from where I'm sitting, as a person who designs games and sells games, uh, there's a few other types of work, sort of fields of work at play here. I'm talking about things like layout and about building hype and advertising and about describing your own game and about the sort of business management or like pre-planning of getting reviews of your game, or getting the word out in general, or finding ways to make it a profitable business, right? Finding ways to be the center of attention. Those are all, uh, I kind of want to say art forms of themselves. There's definitely an artistry to being able to do all that. There's also a, just a, having money (laughs) aspect to it as well. Yeah, they both help. They support each other. They support each other. There's room for some really creative thinking, and there's also room for a lot of financial support. Yeah, I mean, Morbius had had one, but not the other, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So that's another part of making, sharing, and selling games that I have a similar relationship to. Where when I see something that is just profoundly successful, and it feels like they're hitting all the right notes, they're saying all the right things, they're garnering so much attention, it's an absolute smash hit across every 
every way that it could be. That's not inspiring to me. That makes me feel like I don't belong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like a mix of sort of envy and a sort of defeated feeling. It feels like this is a kind of uh, advertising and a kind of marketing and a kind of business management that I don't see the middle steps to. It doesn't make me think like, oh, well, if I could do this and this and this, then I'd be there. I mean, one of the most demotivating things is like, well, if I had $40,000 as a budget for advertising, I could be there, but that's not happening. <laughs> I Yeah, I like that. I mean, it is adjacent. I'm glad that you brought this up, though. Sometimes we talk about doing episodes like, well, uh, uh, <laughs> I like a weird frogginess tr- trying to say that. <laughs> Sometimes we talk about doing an episode kind of based around envy and we've bounced back and forth about it a lot um i like kind of couching it in this episode maybe we'll do our own eventually because there really are there are people i've said this before it's like some game designers on social media who maybe it doesn't feel like this to them as they reflect on their own life and existence but i look at what they make and i'm just like you did it again you did it every time. You are you are the words of an angel. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Like, I can't see the path to get there because it, it requires like a type of, I don't, it's not right. Like what, what it would take to get there is either to make a deal with the, the devil and like consume that person's soul. Uh-huh. Um, like it's they speak in a way that I don't speak, and to try to copy that, it w- it would come off like robotic and off, right? Uh, and so they they inspire me in their own way. I mean, I feel sort of I feel kind of moved by their perfection, but it's like it's like looking at the you know the Twitter version of the Sistine Chapel or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that gets to a. A distinction that I really wanted to talk about, which is the idea of an act of creation representing a personal voice, a personal viewpoint, you know, where if we make a game, I want it to reflect what we care about, what we have to say. I want it to be our voice that we're speaking in and... I want the game to reflect what we love, what we find fun, what we think is worthwhile. And when I look at some of these these other games or movies or advertising campaigns even, where they are, they feel perfect in their own way, it feels like trying to move toward that would move away from my own voice. It feels like moving laterally, like pulling me out of my own cares and making me think like, oh, well, if I was just like them, then I could have their audience because I'd be saying the stuff that they like to say, which their audience loves to hear. And it's like, I've left myself and I've like lost touch with even like why I want to make a game. But the experience of looking at something that feels imperfect, that feels like I both feel connected to it, but also like it departs from what I do. It leads me down thoughts of, like, how to make it match my own voice. It feels like I'm bringing it to myself 
The movement is toward myself, not away. Um, does that distinction work for you? That idea of moving toward or away from your own voice? Yeah, I think it does. It's it's not quite a one-to-one comparison for me between like the idea of being inspired by a piece of media versus like somebody else's personal voice or the way that they make their things like they I like it as a thought experiment. Yeah. But it's it's not like a one to one. Does it'll does just that be an sense? experiment. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little it's a nice a nice thought experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh like it it feels like it could be its own episode. Yeah. And I think that's cool too. Maybe we should do a finding your voice episode. Ooh. Yeah, we kind of yeah, you know what I think we should I was going to say we kind of did that in that episode about D&D. But we I hinted at but it. Yeah. I, I finding your voice is really good. Yeah, I like that. I got to find my voice first, Dear though. readers, do you too like that idea? That's for the engagement. It would be really insincere. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I, if I didn't find... know my own voice by that point. <laughs> well, maybe we should do like an episode about finding your voice. <laughs> oh, just, finds it's his just voice. my voice in particular. <laughs> At the end, it Sorry, heroes. <laughs> this will not be broadly applicable. <laughs> What's that? Okay, do you remember? I'm trying to remember. La, 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 trying to remember the melody in the Little Mermaid. Do, 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 no, no, do, not that one. No, no. <laughs> when she has her voice. <laughs> the seaweed is all. No, there's like like she uncaps the little bottle of her voice, and I feel like it's this very beautiful like song. Is that the one that's just like? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. That's going to be your voice. When That'll you, be the when whole episode. It. I'll just be singing. Yeah. And I can do a special intro and outro where I'm just like, the seaweed is always greener. <laughs> somebody else you can supply sweet. the beatbox. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the phone book episode. <laughs> Wait, what's the phone book episode? Oh, we got a request. That we yeah. have an episode that's just me reading the phone book. Yeah, because it was because the last episode that I did was just me. Yeah, and somebody was. I think multiple people were like, "We would. We want an episode with just Evan." Yeah, because people like your voice. It's like I don't know what to talk about when Hannah isn't prompting me. <laughs> I just go completely silent and still until the next episode. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. And somebody was like, just read the phone book. So I guess, yeah, Patreon bonus content. I've been reading the phone book. Ooh. I guess the first step would be having to find a phone book. All right. This is so deeply off. Well, somebody topic. might find that to be imperfectly inspiring. That's true. So I guess the the final thing that I wanted to say, and maybe this is really clear already, is that I think there's a really distinct difference for myself between imperfect inspiration and just like nagging on something or yeah. not liking something because then the inspiration part is missing. Uh, you know, for that, I think about some of the new Star Trek that's out, like Star Trek Discovery or Strange New Worlds. And I, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, as everybody knows. There's a lot of stuff that really frustrates me in the new Star Trek. 
There are ways that character relationships are introduced that I just find totally baffling. I'm constantly like rewriting it in my head. And the friend that I watch Star Trek with, like, we both have such a deep and abiding love for Star Trek and like how much the writers care about the show that we can have these hours long, like sporting conversations about what frustrated us. But they're coming from a place of love, whereas I don't want to talk to random Redditors who, I mean, I don't want to do that anyway, but people who are coming to Reddit or coming to Twitter to just be like, here's everything that's wrong with the new Star Trek. Right. Um, like they're not, those conversations aren't coming from the same place. Uh, right, right. And if, if, if something really doesn't speak to me and I don't have, like, there's things that I don't get imperfect inspiration from. Like you have to have that personal connection there first. Like the Oscar-winning movie Flight? <laughs> I don't know if it actually won an Oscar. It sure tried to. <laughs> I don't remember why we ended up seeing Flight in theaters. And we were going to see something else, and then it was sold out. And our friend Matt was like, I got tickets to Flight. It's the only movie that's not sold out. And then we were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Flight. Like, I don't think flight did not inspire me i just did not i There's didn't connect to it on any level nothing I, landing the like, plane well, upside down yeah was kind the of upside cool. down like, plane that's cool okay so with that one exception the plane was upside down that it's like whoa was cool nothing else you can get I that in the first to. that's like that's like five minutes yeah. in but see now i'm just nagging right and i mean that's all i have to offer for that movie yeah and it's not like there's anything wrong with that it's not like it's a a bad thing on us to dislike a movie to say we dislike it but it is not encouraging me to tell my own story of an upside down plane <laughs> until i just said it out loud i and know what it, if that's it, your impacting voice me a little bit <laughs> evan's own story i accidentally evan. found my voice it's an upside down <laughs> plane <laughs> Okay, so let's get to let's let's finalize. Let's have the final stage stage of this episode. Uh-huh. Be boss battle. Talk the boss battle. Talk about some of our favorite imperfect inspirations recently. Is that is that what we're doing? Yeah. Okay. Maybe you could play a little like boss battle music, right? Right here. That's not a boss battle. Not totally. It's, is it? I'd fight a boss to that. What's a what's like a memorable boss? Okay. I don't think I need to cut anything in. I think it just happened. <laughs> Alright, so this one isn't too recent. But there's a game. I've shown you this game called Indigo Prophecy. When I first played this game, I was just enraptured by the opening of this game. It's mysterious, it's bloody, it has like a very fun uh, switching of perspectives between people who are on different sides of this supernatural crime. And you're playing both the people perpetuating the crime, perpetuating, per, 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 per perpetrating. Perpetrating. You're playing the perps and and the like police investigation unit. And you're going through sequences that go back and forth from being like very grounded efforts to understand the crime and also very surreal 
supernatural experiences. And, uh, I mean, the director of this game has gone on to direct many others and also seems to be perhaps a foul person, which all, you know, adds to the imperfection. But the primary imperfection of Indigo Prophecy, in my view, is the second half of the game where everything completely collapses into just a jumbled mess <laughs> uh, to a degree that I've never experienced with any other piece of media. I've wait, never seen wait any other piece of media, anything, like, nothing, nothing has had like a wow. third act, like trip and fall into a custard pie <laughs> level that, That's like, of just shattering the mood, shattering the themes, shattering wow. the characters, just being an absolute clown circus. Uh, I guess the final episode of the Prisoner TV show has a little <laughs> bit of that, but like even that feels much more intentional. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's had like a lasting inspiration for me. Like I think of that game all the time, and I always want to like recapture that mood that the opening had. It played into how I wanted Norlandia to feel. When I think about it now, I'm just like, ah, oh, there's like different aspects of it that I could make a game that explore. It was so good. Such a good setup. And it would not end the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about you? You said a game. I feel like we'll both have movies and TV shows, but I can't immediately think of a game. So I'll say an album. Oh. Yeah. So I'm going to say the Miley Cyrus's album, Miley Cyrus Dead Pets with a Z. Uh-huh. So I really like Miley Cyrus. Uh, I think she's a great musician. Dead Pets is this album that she did in collaboration with the Flaming Lips. So all of the the background, like a lot of it sounds very psychedelic. It's really recognizable as Flaming Lips songs. Uh, but most of the content was just in this like really, I don't know how old she was when she made the album, but it's like, it's this really like sort of smoke weed every day, do <laughs> drugs, I don't care, my goldfish died, I like food. I mean, it's so, <laughs> like, it's so, it's such a raw disaster, uh -huh. um, uh, <laughs> but it has some also really good songs my one of my favorite songs on the album is called baby talk and it's this song about how she had to break up with a guy because he's like a little too uh -huh. um and it's like a it's like it's relatable <laughs> who hasn't been through that who hasn't been through that Oh, it's so funny. It's such a good song. And it it inspires me because on one hand, like it's it's pretty cringe. You're just like, oh God, I can't believe this got made. And also, like, it has some pretty good sort of psychedelic jams. I feel like there's one called like Space Butter or something. Like <laughs> it also just makes me want to sit down and like be like, as made some toast in space. Like I just it makes me want to make something. Yeah. That's just really unapologetic and has has that, like, I don't give a fuck energy. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, unfortunately, I don't have the money to, like, work with the Flaming Lips as producers. But if anybody wants to produce my equivalent. <laughs> if anyone wants to back our Patreon, <laughs> word, word. 
<laughs> Maybe I could find somebody to produce an a dream album with me, all uh, Miley Cyrus and and her dead pets. I mean, that's special. An album that makes you want to create your own music, right? You know? And I don't make music, right? Um, but I think it also it's artistically inspiring, even at the game level, because I think my I am attracted to like psychedelic media. Like it's an aesthetic uh-huh. that I think is really fun. Um, so you know, she she went there, she did it, she made that <laughs> album. It's it's weird and bad, but good. Uh, makes me want to make it somehow in some form. Like okay, here's here here. I just got inspired. So it's also this album honoring her dead pets and often in in um often i in the concerts i've seen videos too of her just crying while singing songs uh-huh. honoring her pets and now i feel like That's i want really sweet it is really sweet <laughs> <laughs> um now i feel like i want to make a game that brings you to this psychedelic heaven like you know how when when a when an animal dies, you say crossing the rainbow bridge. Yeah. Can you imagine a game that's like it's just like totally like animal heaven is just like a wild acid trip? Yeah, and you can just go there to see your dog. Now I'm gonna cry because I miss my pets too. <laughs> that's oh, such a good idea. So there, you know, there's my inspiration. It makes me miss my dog really badly. <sighs> Thanks, Miley. I'm recovered. <laughs> <laughs> I really like what you said about that album having this feeling of just like, like, who cares? I'm just putting it out. I'm just making a thing, whatever. Um, That often ends up being something that like makes a piece of art land in that inspiring zone for me, even when I'm not connecting with every part of it. It reminds me of a movie we saw recently. Ooh, yeah, what movie? There's a few examples. <laughs> One that we saw very recently was Perfume. A Perfume, the story, the story of, a, of murder. a murderer. Oh, murder? was it Murderer? I think. Oh, maybe it was Murderer. Because there was more, it was not just one murder. No, you're right. Maybe the story of a murderer. You're right. That movie. Do you want to was... say what it's about? Quit just briefly in brief. Briefly, <laughs> this movie is about a man who was born with an extraordinary sense of smell, and he used it to sniff out conventionally attractive women, <laughs> kill them. You gave spoiler. big spoiler, but yeah, that is, I guess, what it's about, and uh, make a perfume out of them. Mm-hmm. That. Does that summary work for you? Spoiler warning. Yeah. Spoiler warning. I mean, guys. it's yeah. If <laughs> I don't know that it really spoils anything. I mean, like you no. know, the we looked at the book cover afterwards, and it's just literally a conventionally attractive naked woman on the book cover. It's not like an unexpected theme from that perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's probably <laughs> it. It is. It's true. It's just true. <laughs> But it's a great example because there's so much that's good about that movie and so much that's so deeply disappointing. One of the oddest parts of this movie is that it starts off in a sort of like roll doll, like dark storybook vibe. 
about this child born with an extraordinary nose who is fascinated by all smells, whether they were divine or putrid. He had an insatiable desire for all of it. And then then it just sort of dropped that. And it was like, now we're going after the pretty ladies. I was really connecting with the opening promise of like somebody experiencing the whole world that we're in in a completely novel way. And then it's like, oh, he's experiencing the world in the literally the most conventional way imaginable. Just being a dude pursuing pretty ladies. It's like profoundly disappointing. It's very disappointing. It it just it implies he loves all smells. He doesn't differentiate, but only very beautiful redheads smell <laughs> really good. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's such a yeah. It's such a good example though, because it's a movie that just has so much to offer. Mm-hmm. It also has an energy of enthusiasm. In lots of different directions. It's like, oh, we're going to be a cute storybook. Oh, we're going to be sort of like a satirical uh, look at uh, 18th century, 19th century society. Oh, we're going to have Dustin Hoffman in a powdered wig playing an Italian perfumer doing some genuinely good comedy. We're going to do slapstick comedy. (laughs) We're going to do like tortured introspection. Uh, and it it believed in itself. It believed that it could handle every genre that flitted into its mind about what it wanted to be. And as much as I might disagree with how well that all worked together, I actually really sincerely appreciate that energy of just writing what you want to read, telling the story that you want to see, and feeling sort of unchained in what you throw on the screen. Like, that is something I want to do more of. Like, that's... I'm I'm always, like, chaining myself down when I create something and being like, well, it's going to be this kind of thing, and so it all has to be rigidly like that. And not just in imperfect stuff, but sort of across the spectrum for me, I really appreciate pieces of art that are that feel more free that it feel free to be weird so thank you perfume thanks perfume which was a book first but neither of us have read the book so i'm not sure how much the movie was pulling from the book you know sometimes movies end up being weird also because they're like bad book adaptations or weird book adaptations i mean this one had like the sort of like one of the classic issues of adapting a book which is just feeling like you have to narrate a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because you don't know how to show certain information. Yeah. But also maybe that's the exact vibe that the book had too. I don't know. So I guess the example that I'll give is another movie that we both saw recently, which was the new David Cronenberg movie, Crimes of the Future. Very special film. Special film. So I I love David Cronenberg. I haven't seen all of his movies, but often the ones that are kind of panned. Panned is a weird word, but like the ones that aren't necessarily considered the best are some of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Uh, For anybody who's not super familiar with David Cronenberg, he does 
like body horror is his genre. And he often has things that are sort of like weird people merging with technology, people's bodies merging with bug-like creatures. Yeah, it's it's less about gore. It yeah, can be a little not, gory, but it's not gory like yeah. a horror film celebrates gore. It's more about just sort of like body dysmorphia, body like like a weird lack of recognition of one's own self. Yeah. So it's a genre I really like. I was so excited to see Crimes of the Future based on the trailer. The story seemed to be like this world in which people maybe no longer can feel pain or something. This like weird, gnarly future where people perform surgery as artistic performance. Yeah. And they like, you know, get kind of get off on it. Uh-huh. Um, I won't say I won't go into detail because, you know, that's not everybody's jam. It was it was a weird movie. It had a very weird energy. It felt very imperfect. I would almost say it was bad for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I was I uh, maybe a little disappointed. It wasn't what I expected. And also I left really inspired by it. And we talked about it for like days because there was so much to say about it. It was a kind of a mess. It was all over the place. Yeah, it's interesting comparing this Cronenberg piece to the Neil Breen movie we we're talking about before, where you know, both very weird energy, very confounding, and yet. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Okay, so we're laughing because we (laughs) literally live right outside of a lawnmower repair shop, which I'm not sure why everybody thinks I'm joking when I say that. I mean, I guess because it's like kind of random. (laughs) But like... We live right outside of a lawnmower repair shop, and it's just a terrible place to record podcasts. But it means that, like, it's just every time Evan starts to talk, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) every time you start to say something, it's perfectly timed. And it just always happens right at, like, the last 10 minutes of our episode recordings. I'm and gonna I'm saying, gonna barge through. We're okay, so okay. Let's keep going and like if there's a lawnmower, I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just gonna be some maybe lawnmower sounds. Neil Breen makes very weird films, but in their own way, they feel completely successful. I feel like Neil Breen is communicating to me, and I am receiving his weird transmission. Yeah, I can get that from Cronenberg. This latest one I did not get that. I was like, there is some some static in that transmission. It was very hard to piece together why why some elements of this film were in there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was like, why did this movie get made? It sort of felt like a movie where I think he may have woken up with with a sentence in his head. And I would suspect that that sentence was a line from the movie that they say that Kristen Stewart whispers into Vigo Mortensen's ear at some point, which is the line, surgery is the new sex. And I feel like David Cronenberg must have dreamt that line and then like maybe tried to make a movie around it. Also, while thinking about his own experience of aging. With like a smidge of like climate catastrophe in there, too. 
Oh, yeah. And there's definitely some climate. Oh, no, that's true. So maybe, I mean, I guess these are things he's been thinking about. And, and yeah, each one on its own, I think, actually would have made a really great movie. I mean, I would love... I'm also I, thinking of, like, spy stuff. <laughs> the spy stuff was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the spy stuff was just not good. But... The th- yeah, the thing about it is that, like you were saying, each one of those threads was interesting in its own way. I mean, the spy stuff maybe a little bit less, but every- <laughs> but like the as we left that movie, we were just kind of thinking about how each one of those individual threads felt like there could be a really coherent, enjoyable, fascinating story to tell. Yeah, and the mashup felt like it was sort of at the mutual detriment of each thread. Yeah, it really did sort of flatten. It's like it it flattened out the notes. Yeah, it's like the, each the one depth. of those couldn't go as far as it could have gone. Right? Because I could have watched, I mean, I would love a whole movie about uh, a whole David Cronenberg style movie. Well, not style, a whole David Cronenberg <laughs> movie about like your body betraying you as you're yeah. aging. Great topic. The body sort of breaking down and coming to its end. I would love a movie about bodies evolving to live in a toxic world. And I would love a movie about uh, sort of weird body modification performance art in a world where people are trying to feel something. And this was like all all of them and none of them at the same time. Yeah, and feel like it didn't have time to come to a conclusion about any of it. Super inspiring. So inspiring. Yeah, it gave us a ton to talk about, and we're still talking about it. I think we mentioned in the last design doc. The last one we did together. The last one we did together, that we had recorded a Ready Player One bonus audio for people on our Patreon. But I want to mention it again, since that's almost the exact kind of conversation we've sort of transitioned into here, which is just talking about pieces of media where they were both striking us as very flawed and very inspiring and lovable in their own way. Yeah. So if you want to hear us go on at length about that, we've we've done that. We're going to keep doing that. I've been watching too much kind of bad YouTube where, you know, everybody's always trying to get the engagement. And so I feel like as as we wrap up, because this is it, we're wrapping up. Yeah. It's the end. We're so bad at ending an episode. Here it is. It's happening. I feel like I want to be like, what imperfect media inspires you? But also, I like don't really... I was going to say I don't care. That's not true. I'm just so... I think I'm so allergic to negging that I'm like really worried about... I want to be like, no, but it actually has to inspire you. Right. Not you got to love it. Not just you think it. is bad. If you don't you love it... love it. In some way... Don't don't talk us. Don't, don't talk us. Do not post. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's I that's what we got. Let's cut to our whatever comes after this. The design doc intro outro theme was written by our friend Pat King. Thank you, Pat. The Design Doc Podcast is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network. We're bringing it back to the original here. Like the original, original. One Shot.
One, like one shot, actually one shot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, just um, wanted I'm to wait, make sure. I, I just had a shocked look on my face. Yeah, uh, right? Because we've blankly. done so many blurbs for other things, but it's been a long time since we've done one shot. On one shot, you can discover new RPGs through actual play. Every week, James D'Amato brings you a new episode with a rotating cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Sorry, there's a there's there's a lawnmower. <laughs> other notable nerds. One Shot has featured over a hundred games exploring a wide variety of genres and tones. The stories are self can self. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere, and it's a great way to find your new favorite game. Discover the magic of RPGs with OneShot on your favorite podcast app. Finally! We have a Patreon. <laughs> uh, so, if you... I mean, I just said this, <laughs> and there's a loud lawnmower, but if you want to hear us discuss more media at length, or just... I'm sorry, you're the one who gets lawnmowered every time. It rarely happens. With, oh, okay. I feel like I am the blade of grass. <laughs> you are the blade. <laughs> um, we have a Patreon, and on that Patreon, we talk at length about some of the things that are inspiring us. Some of it's imperfect. We give little, just sort of mini, mini recordings where we just like say what's up. We like try to keep in touch. And we also release early editions of our games, and sometimes even free little games. That's the stuff we do to try to make it worthwhile. <laughs> but perhaps even supporting us in what we do is its own reward. So. <laughs> uh, and let's thank new patron Ardid. Ardid, thank you for coming on board and joining the Turtle Bun Patreon. We really appreciate your support. Yes, we do. To add to this episode, we will be releasing some episodes, some bonus content, some Patreon-exclusive bonus content about deeper dive into perfume and crimes of the future. Yeah, the more we talk about those, it feels like the more we have to say. Yeah. Because this was just like us being like, here's a movie that we saw that we found imperfect and inspiring, but we weren't like, let's talk for like an hour and a half about all the reasons why. But we will. But we will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's, um, that's, and that Patreon address is patreon.com slash turtle, turtle bun. That's right. Cool. Turtle bun. Turtle bun. And you can always reach us on Twitter at designdocpod. Uh-huh. And on the email at designdocpod at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. I think those are the two places. Yeah, I think that covers it. That's good. That's a good way to get in touch. Yeah. And we respond to emails. We used to be kind of bad at it, but now we've we've entered a new phase in our lives where we're good at it. Yeah. Used to be bad, but now... Now we're good. Now we're good. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, it was a redemption arc. Okay, I guess we should stop because there's so much lawnmower noise, and I'm, I'm sorry, heroes. <laughs> Thank you, heroes. Thanks for listening to us and to the lawnmowers. We'll see you soon. Bye.